Welcome in to News and Views with Tom Lamprecht. The stories you've heard and the ones you need to hear. The Trump indictment is the biggest thing to help Donald. The abortion pill, Mifepristone. Highly classified documents. This is a crime that imperils our democracy. Undermining our democracy. It does not have any effect whatsoever upon his running for president. It's gotten him a lot of donations. The presidential election is political lifetimes away. The best way to make the judgment is watch me. They have nothing... Your life, your values, your voice. This is News and Views with Tom Lamprecht on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. All right, welcome in. It is Friday. A lot to talk about. Have you seen this uh, kid? I mean, he looks like he's in junior high. This Jack Tashara. He is the uh, one that leaked all the uh, classified information, posted it online. He's now under arrest. You know, this is a good question. My wife asked this last night, and PJ Media's got a whole article on it. How exactly does a 21-year-old get top clearance to, for all this top-secret information? I mean, I was a little curious, too. Is I mean, is I'm not trying to undermine the National Guard. It's a very important part of our service. But a 21-year-old in the National Guard has got access to top-secret information. Uh, it doesn't, that's it's just, am I the only person that surprises? So Biden, who's been overseas for most of the de- developments uh, surrounding this uh, Jack Tashara, uh, so far he hasn't made a statement. He released one earlier today. He said, I commend the rapid action taken by law enforcement to investigate and respond to the recent dissemination of classified U.S. government documents. Uh, Mr. President, where was the rapid action up in Delaware? (laughs) I mean, how many places? Was it like a half dozen different places? More than that. By the way, I have a whole refrigerator full upstairs. Yeah, full of of classified documents. Where was the rapid action for Joe? Listen, I'm not defending this Jack Tashara, who is just, it sounds like everything I've read... This guy was just a narcissist that wanted to look like he was somebody special to his uh, compatriots on this website they visited. Jack Tashara, 21-year-old Massachusetts Air National Guardsman accused of leaking documents, the Department of Defense says contained sensitive and highly classified material. He was charged today with unauthorized retention and transmission of national defense information and willful willful retention of classified documents. Now, uh, Joe didn't put them online. I don't think he'd know how to if he wanted to. But uh, retention, willful retention. Now, again, if you go back to James Comey, it's, it's oh, well, you know, he didn't mean to. In all honesty, I mean, if people like Jack Tashara could plead the, you know, hey, give me a Joe Biden special or a Hillary Clinton, James Comey, uh, you know, get out of jail free card because I didn't mean to. Uh, maybe he'd get off. Again, I'm not defending what this guy did if he if he's guilty. And, and you know, it's got to be a little embarrassing for the White House. I mean, how can, you know, this is like uh, Stormy Daniels getting up and giving a sermon on, uh, you know, biblical sexuality. 
<laughs> for Joe Biden to get up and start lecturing people about how, you know, we got to really be careful with our top, top secret documents, I don't think it flies real well. But again, why, why would a 21-year-old even have access to this information? Uh, Town Hall, in their article, makes some interesting points. They say, while we're still determining the validity of those documents, I have directed our military and intelligence community to take steps to further secure and limit distribution of sensitive information, and our national security team is closely coordinating with our partners and allies. This was the Biden statement. The town hall article goes on to say Biden's statement came the same day after the leaker made his first appearance in court. Here's the question they ask. So why is it that the Biden administration is taking steps now after the leak took place? Good question. Uh, if all, I mean, part of the issue is this is something they didn't want to touch because of uh, all the all of Joe's uncomfortable situations with classified information loosely stored next to his Corvette in his garage where cocaine head Hunter had access to it. But here's another point they make, which is a great point. Maybe if we were more, if the Biden administration and the Department of Justice, and for that matter, the Department of Defense, if they were more concerned with protecting top secret information, if they were as concerned with that as they are concerned with their intersectionality, maybe this wouldn't have happened. As acting former acting DHS Secretary Chad Wolf pointed out, there remain a lot of questions to be answered by the Biden administration in this case, though it seems unlikely that it will provide a full transparent picture of the situation even as the Department of Justice moves ahead with its case against the alleged 21-year-old leaker who was arrested uh, in Massachusetts by the FBI on Thursday, charged today. As Town Hall reported, there are a lot of changing uh, in the mainstream media framing and narrative about the story, which raises more questions about how the suspect obtained the information before allegedly posting it online, where it was spread for weeks. Uh, how, how is it that it was spread for weeks? And nobody caught it. I, I mean, th this is really uh, bizarre. And, uh, boy, if, if the Biden administration is guilty of uh, malfeasance, uh, yeah, I, I'd say they are. Republican President candidate Nikki Haley said on Friday, heads should roll for the most devastating intelligence leaks in years. They don't care. <laughs> they, they don't care. They're more... They're more concerned with intersectionality, you know, the, how many transgenders can we get a five-star transgender general? That's probably the biggest concern right now. Wow. The Nurse the nurse and Observer, the News and Observer, I'll get it out, give me a second, it's Friday. The News and Observer is reporting UNC law students protested a ban of activist classmate charged with domestic terrorism is the headline. Uh, this is a story of Jamie Marzicano. Now, Jamie was the individual who was a UNC law student who decided to go down to Georgia and tried to disrupt the building of this police training center. Remember that? Early March, he has ended up um, being arrested. Uh, by the way, it's uh, in 
in Georgia, it's a, a pretty um, pretty serious crime. I'm trying to, yeah, 35 years in prison if this guy's found guilty. In Georgia, domestic terrorism charge can be penalized with uh, up to 35 years in prison, and that's the charge against this guy. So yesterday, 100 students protested. They said the ban of a UNC Chapel Hill student and Charlotte activist from campus. Uh, they said that's a no-no. So they, had, they did a walkout of class and took a letter over to uh, the chancellor's office in support of Jamie, who's a second-year law student. He and 22 others were arrested and charged with domestic terrorism in Georgia after the group breached a proposed police and fire training center in, in Atlanta. According to Megan Rankins, Rankins, a law student and one of the event organizers, Jamie, who identifies, again, here we go, intersectionality. We'll have to play the violin a little louder for Jamie because he identifies as a white trans femme. They received the letter, the uh, the chancellor's office received the letter banning um, Jamie from going on campus and from taking classes via Zoom. So after he was arrested as a domestic terrorist, the, not the law school, but the university itself said, you're out, which is, a great, you know, listen, if he's proven innocent, he can be reinstated. He's a domestic terrorist. Now, if somebody was at, in the UNC Law School and uh, he did something that was racist or anti-trans, uh, attacked a bunch of transgenders who were out having a whatever event, uh, do you think there would be any protest about that person being kicked out of school until he's uh, either found guilty or innocent. The School of Law specifically has been great and wants Jamie to return to class, but the broader university decided that because of this charge, they were going to ban Jamie, Rankins said. Quote, we organized this walkout so the university could physically see the number of people. Well, there was a hundred. I mean, how many thousands of students are there over at UNC? And there was a hundred people that protest. But it made the front page of the News and Observer. In addition to ban, the protesters also objected to the charges against Marsicano and Rankins, who is non-binary. Said Rankins, who is non-binary. So I guess, <laughs> isn't it interesting how the transgenders are making all the news? Rankins is non-binary, and Jamie Marsicano is a, um, what do I say, a... White trans femme. Anyway, yeah, that's that's what we need to worry about. I mean, the the world is collapsing. China's getting ready to invade Taiwan, and uh, what are we uh, worried about? Yeah, protecting. You know, what one of the students uh, said of Marsicano that you know he's so inspiring. He makes us think. He's an undergraduate, has a degree from Brown University. Oh, yeah, he also worked in the bail project, the bail project. Wasn't that uh, Kamala Harris's deal where it's an organization that distributes money to help people in poverty post bail? Well, uh, maybe the people in poverty ought not break the law. Just saying. But uh, one, one student said, Jamie pushes all of us, every single classmate, not only to learn the law, but ask questions as to why the law is. 
course, you didn't say anything about Jamie encouraging you to break the law, which apparently is one of the things he does as well. Hey, we're going to take a time out. Lots more to talk about. Friday's edition of News and Views continues right after this. I'm always reluctant after being here 37 years to tell people what the American people think. Uh, and I don't. I can't swear I do. I know what I think. I think I know what they think, but I'm not sure what they think. This is Eastern Carolina News and Views. Welcome back in. It is News and Views for a Friday. A quick look at your weather forecast. Uh, actually, it turned out a lot nicer than they said it was going to. Lots of sunshine this afternoon and uh, in the low 80s as we speak. The uh, For tonight, a low of 61. Some clouds out there, but looks like the rain is about done with. Saturday, a mix of sun and clouds, a high of 81. Tomorrow night, clear skies, a low of 59. Sunday. Partly to mostly cloudy with a high of 83. Sunday night, a low of 66 with cloudy skies. And uh, looking into next week, it looks pretty nice. Lots of sunshine. And it looks like the highs will be in the mid-70s to low 80s. So all in all, pretty nice. It is April the 14th. Who comes up with these hallmark moments? Today is, I mean, you know, you, you start out with Mother's Day. Then they had Father's Day. Then you had Grandfather's Day. Then you had Grandmother's Day. Uh, now we have National Ex-Spouse Day. Don't mess with me. <laughs> so go, stop by Hallmark and uh, get a National Ex-Spouse Day card. I will do anything. <laughs> I'm sure your hubby would like to have send you an ex-spouse card. That's not an appropriate question for you to ask. It is uh, April the 14th. You know, this is sort of a sad day. 111 years ago. 1912, the unsinkable Titanic collided with an iceberg and a maiden voyage. 716 passengers survived, 1,517 drowned in the icy water. And 158 years ago, in 1865... What happened? Well, President Lincoln was shot and mortally mortally wounded uh, by John Wilkes Booth. He was attending the comedy Our American Cousin at Forge Theater in Washington, D.C., I have been to Ford's Theater. It's quite quaint. They still, it's operating as a theater to this day. I mean, it was closed for a lot of years. I can't remember who came in and uh, refurbished it, but you can go in there and you can see the the booth where uh, the little place where Lincoln was when he was watching uh, that play. I, uh, my wife and I saw, uh, I mean, this is years ago, saw a play entitled Greater Tuna. It was pretty funny, pretty entertaining. There is an interesting article today in The Federalist by a Dr. Owen Linehan. Now, this ought to be a special interest to Eastern North Carolinians. And uh, it's, I, I do want to go over this because I think, I think this Dr. Owen Linehan makes some great points. And the reason why I said it uh, has special interest for Eastern North Carolinians is because it involves Mr. Beast. And I'm sure, as you have heard, uh, Mr. Beast's sidekick has now decided uh, he's going to come out as a transgender. This guy is in his 20s. He is married. He has a child. And uh, as, as Dr. Owen Linehan says, moms and dads, uh, you might want to sort of pay attention to what Mr. Beast is putting out on video on YouTube. And you're going to understand what I'm saying as I go through this article. But 
there's a lot of kids out there that think Mr. Beast is funny, and he has all kinds of. I I, I have not followed Mr. Beast. I'll, I will be first and foremost, you know, uh, up front say that. My grandsons have in the past. Uh, my, if my daughter is listening, I hope you pay attention to this as well, because I. What's going on with Mr. Beast is quite concerning, concerning uh, considering he has well over a million, 144 million subscribers. One of his videos, uh, entitled, the, uh, entitled The Squid Game, has amassed 401 million views. That's why he's making these big bucks. Um, now, a lot of people admire him for his generous charity work, and I, I don't take that away from him. And, and because of what he's doing, and because of the silliness and benign nature of many of his videos, parents have said, eh, it's pretty tame. I mean, listen, you can, you got to watch out what your kids are watching if they watch Disney. But a lot of parents have sort of, and I, I hope Mr. Beast, It'd be nice if he was listening and realize that there are a lot of people out there that are entrusting their kids to you. And should they should they continue to do that? Jimmy Donaldson, known as Mr. Beast, largest individual creator on YouTube. An emerging controversy involving one of his closest and longtime co-creator, Chris Tyson who has recently come out as being on hormone replacement therapy, is threatening his brand. Dr. Owen goes on, Millions of young children are being groomed to uncritically accept transgenderism and trans activism at an impressionable age, unbeknown to many parents who allow them to watch Mr. Beast's videos unsupervised. Dr. Owen Linehan says, My two older kids, age 7 and 9, have been fans of Mr. Beast for some time. The content was wholesome, and we've had some wonderful conversations about giving back while watching some of his charity videos. I try to make sure that they watch educational videos where possible, but to be honest, most videos on Mr. Beast's main channel are just big, loud, dumb stunts that have zero educational value, and they're just fun. And, he says, kids need that too. But the fun stopped six months ago. Chris started wearing nail polish in a video. He grew more and more effeminate, wore ladies' sweaters, grew out his hair, manicured his nails. My children started noticing, Dr. Owen Linehan says. My daughter commented on Chris's overpronounced hand gestures to show off his nails. Both she and my son began talking about it. My son said, he's acting weird. My daughter said he wants everyone to see his nails and his hair. He keeps dropping things just to show them off as he picks things back up. After Chris's shocking transformation in this video, it was no longer possible to ignore the issue. This, of course, is what he wanted. He projected his transforma transformation into our home and demanded that we have more conversations about his new lifestyle choices in the future. So we did. We spoke about why he thinks he's a woman and what will happen to his wife and child and if we still wanted to watch Mr. Beast. The result was that my children just wanted silly videos. They found his transformation weird, and they felt overwhelmingly sad for his wife and kid. They didn't want to watch it anymore. Mr. Beast was always just mindless fun, after all. At the center of Mr. Beast's universe are Jimmy and Chris. The pair are childhood friends, 
And in a 2020 interview, Jimmy revealed that Chris was the very first subscriber to his channel. Chris was integral to the Mr. Beast brand and has recently taken over as the host of the highly popular Mr. Beast Reacts channel. My kids enjoying Chris from the start. He was the most masculine and outdoors-oriented of the group. In one popular video from 2020, the group goes camping, and the humor is largely derived from how soft and incompetent the rest of the team is compared to Chris. While the group flounders, Chris, who grew up enjoying the outdoors lifestyle in North Carolina, states, I am, I am a mountain man. I'm enjoying myself. We're going to make it to the top. Needless to say, when the group hunkers down for the night, tent-raising duty falls to Chris. This parental instinct came naturally to Chris, who welcomed his first child in June of 2020 with his wife, Katie, whom he married in 2018. Because of this practical masculinity and sense of humor combined with his general southern man sensibilities, it became as a massive shock to fans to show when five months after the birth of the child, Chris announced he was bisexual. Chris's announcement dovetailed with a broader introduction of mature themes into Mr. Beast's universe. Also in 2020, core member Carl Jacobs was added to the group. With several interviews, Jimmy had stated that he added Carl after pressure from Chris, who had formed a close bond with him. Carl often presents a childlike and camp persona in Mr. Beast's videos. In 2020, he stated he believes he was asexual, then in 2021, he awkwardly claimed to be heterosexual, regardless of his sexuality. What mattered was the dynamic of the Mr. Beast uh, crew and content. It had changed. Sexuality was to the fore and became increasingly visible on screen. The close relationship between Carl and Chris fueled rumors that the two were in a relationship. This is something Chris has denied. Still many fans have blamed Carl for Chris's evolution giving rise to the term the Carl effect. Speculation surrounding their relationship has increased after Chris finally confirmed in March of 2023 that he and his wife Katie had separated. Immediately after the announcement, he reaffirmed that he is bisexual and that he is not involved with Carl. On April 6, Chris announced that he is gender nonconforming and on hormone replacement therapy. As expected, the backlash online has been intense. There has been abuse directed at Chris by former fans who feel he is betrayed by his actions. Chris, for his part, has leaned into the typical cultural war talking points, mentioning how proud he is in seeing conversations started because of his actions. His conversion has aligned with a new political awakening, and his Twitter account is now littered with the usual talking points one would expect to find from a recent convert. He supports defunding the police and gun control, advocates for trans rights, calls for conservative news outlets, calls them grifters, and thinks the orange man is bad. The issue is neatly summed up in a viral tweet by influential drama news channel host Keem Starr, who, after chastising critics who left negative comments, stated, quote, this decision is a decision only Chris can make do better, end quote. Of course, Keem Starr is correct that mindless abuse is unacceptable, but he pushes completely false idea that Chris's decision is a private matter. It isn't. His transition has been playing out in millions of family sitting rooms worldwide. And make no mistake, despite his good charity work and overall pleasant demeanor, Jimmy is complicit in projecting this adult content into millions of homes. 
Jimmy is Mr. Beast, and all editorial decisions start and end with him. He has taken a political stance on a massively uh, divisive topic while quietly slipped into his programming under the radar of many trusting parents. Further, both Jimmy and Nolan have made their support public. Carla has been even more vocal, saying of fans who have questioned about the transition, I can't read what he said, but you can imagine it's blankety-blank, the goofy blankety-blankers. What Mr. Beast is doing is sinister and will have far-reaching consequences. He is grooming an unsuspecting generation of children into uncritically accepting transgender and trans activism at a vulnerable age. Due to the unrivaled reach of Mr. Beast and the unparalleled and often unmonitored access he has to millions of kids across the globe, he is now, without a shadow of a doubt, the leading source of child-forced transgender content in the world. It is imperative that all parents are made aware of this and given the choice of whether they consent to this content. After all, Chris said he wants to have a conversation. Parents need to know that this is the time um, for the conversation. Uh, it is an in- invitation, writes uh, Dr. Owen Linehan, Linehan. He says it's an ultimatum. Listen, I know Mr. Beast has done a lot. I know he is here in town and uh, in Greenville. I know he's uh, partnered with ECU, I, but I, I have got to say, I think Dr. Owen Linehan has made some great points here. Uh, Mr. Beast has got a lot of influence, and there are a lot of parents out there. Isn't it sad that the days of uh, when Walt Disney was putting out his cartoons, you could put your child in front of a Walt Disney feature and know that it was going to be benign, it was going to be fine, it was actually going to be moral. And uh, those days have passed. You have got to watch everything your kids watch. You got to wa- or your grandkids like a. You got to watch them like a hawk. We got to take a time out. Stay with us. I'll be right back. Get the information you need here to be informed and stay informed. What's a song in this heart of mine? Put your smile on my face every time, because I love a rainy night. Welcome back in. News and views for a Friday. Former President Donald Trump picked up another endorsement. Ted Budd from North Carolina has endorsed uh, the former president for his 2024 White House. But uh, that's not a shock, right? I mean, Donald Trump, when he was in Greenville, came out and endorsed, uh, he was here for the North Carolina State Convention, came out and endorsed uh, Ted Budd. And, uh, yeah, that was uh, that was a huge endorsement. Uh, prior to that, Ted Budd, it was uh, pretty much a neck-and-neck race with um, uh, Pat McCrory, I guess, was his biggest challenger, as was uh, the Congressman uh, Walker. What's Walker's first name? Um, but uh, Ted Budd won it. And he is uh, returning the favor. Uh, Interestingly, there is a uh, growing number of uh, senators. Cindy Hyde-Smith from Mississippi, she's endorsing uh, Trump. She joins um, Mark Mullen, Oklahoma, J.D. Vance of Ohio. Again, Trump got behind Vance. Mark Walker, thank you. Thank you, Clark. Uh, Lindsey Graham uh, from South Carolina. Lindsey Graham surprised me. Remember when uh, Trump was running the first time 
And uh, what was the video that they did? Because Lindsey Graham was actually running against Trump early in the primary in 20, uh, 2016 when Graham was in there. Remember, there was something about a cell phone that <laughs> he, uh, Lindsey Graham did a spoof and threw us. I, I can't remember what the details were, but um, Tommy Tuberville of Alabama, Eric Smith of uh, Missouri, so uh, jumping in there. What I, what I was surprised with, though, is down in Florida, there have been three members of Congress, uh, three Florida House Republicans backing Trump, uh, Corey Mills, Anna Paulina Luna, uh, Matt Gates, and um, Donalds. Uh, what's his first name? Byron Donalds, I think it is. Uh, the the black uh, congressman, yeah, Byron Donalds, who is really conservative. I mean, he is really conservative. I uh, and he's he's back Donald Trump. I mean, I'm not knocking him for back Donald Trump, but being from Florida, I'm a little surprised uh, he didn't wait to see what DeSantis was going to do. But uh, he's gone ahead and said that's uh, where he's going. Uh, speaking of Trump, interestingly. Alvin Bragg, the Manhattan District Attorney, might be the uh, biggest fundraiser for Trump's 2024 campaign. I mean, he might get an ambassadorship somewhere if Trump's reelected. Yeah, I hope it's <laughs> to Siberia. Um, interestingly, now, I'm sure you've heard that Trump has, he raised $4 million in the first 24 hours after the indictment. Uh, he has raised an additional eight million leading up to the arraignment. I don't know what he's mentioned, uh, what he's uh, raised since then, but uh, it really has jump-started things in, in a big way. But here's the really interesting part of this: according to Federal Election Commission, campaign funds can be used to pay up to 100% of legal expenses for cases related to campaign activity. <laughs> So, uh, bottom line is, uh, this could all be used for his, oh, <laughs> there's the video. <laughs> yeah, I could, why did he do that? Uh, Clark has got uh, up on the screen, Lindsey Graham just selling his, uh, destroying his cell phone. That's right, Trump, Trump um, released Lindsey Graham's cell number, didn't he? And uh, everybody was calling it, and then Lindsey Graham put out this spoof uh, video of how to destroy your cell phone so people couldn't call you. Uh, any, I, I regret, regret, regress back to the previous uh, story. It's Friday. I'm all over the map. Um, so, but anyway, yeah, the, the uh, Federal Elections Commission says 100% of what Trump is raising related to um, Alvin Bragg can be used in his campaign. So it doesn't have to be used. Well, it can be used to defend himself, but it can be used in any part of his campaign. Interesting stuff. Remember Sam Brenton? He was the loon in the um, Biden Department of Energy who has a shaved head and a mustache and a goatee, uh, ugly as sin, but dresses up as a woman. He was the guy that was stealing luggage. Did it twice. And uh, according to Clark County, Nevada, criminal court records, Biden was ordered, uh, Brenton, not Biden, Brenton, was ordered to pay $3,670.74 to the victim in the case and an additional $500 in fees, including a criminal fine. 
Clark County Judge Ann Zimmerman handed Britain a 180-day suspended jail sentence. So uh, it sounds like he got off pretty easy. You know, this is the second time. I mean, you say, well, I'm a first offender. Let me off easy. No, he, he, remember, he stole luggage up in Minnesota. They got that on video and saw who stole it. Then they went back after the fact and went back and re-reviewed the video in Los Angeles. And lo and behold, they say, yeah, that's the same guy, Sam Brenton. So, uh, I mean, he could have faced up to 10 years in prison and a $10,000 fine in the case. But, uh, again... If this had uh, been someone who was uh, involved in the January 6th insurrection, <laughs> done what Sam Britton did, do you think he'd get away with just a $3,700 fine? I doubt it. I doubt it. Speaking of uh, Joe's appointments, Sam Britton, of course, was his appointment to um, the Department of Energy. He was a Department of Energy official. I guess he was approved by the Senate before he took up that job. Julie Sue is President Biden's pick to lead the Department of Labor. Now, this is really interesting because Sue is a leading proponent of critical race theory. She's been that way for decades, dating back to her time as a civil rights lawyer. In 2005, Julie Sue wrote that American society is built on white privilege and systemic racial subordination. So this is back in 2005. This is, what, 18 years ago. And, uh, I mean, this is before most people had ever heard of CRT. But she was pushing it some 18 years ago. Sue, who the Senate confirmed to be deputy, deputy D-O-L, Department of Labor Secretary, in a party-line vote in July of 2021. I think that's the first time I've sneezed on the air. <laughs> My apologies. Michael, uh, who is the morning producer for Henry's show, likes to keep this uh, studio at uh, sub-freezing temperatures. I'm blaming Michael. Um Sue, who is the Senate confirmed, uh, who the Senate confirmed, I should say, to be the Deputy Department of Labor Secretary in a party line vote in, in July of 2021, who has served as acting secretary since March, has been prominent supporter of CRT, according to Fox News and review of her work since the late 1990s. The left-wing Asian American Pacific Islander Civic Engagement Fund even credited Sue last year with continuing to push the leading edge of CRT in the legal academy. She said, quote, make your theories into arguments that stand up in court and into foundational proposals that will get us funding for frontline activism. Talk about frontline activism and in-your-face street work in your conferences, faculty meetings, classrooms, and give your students opportunities to do that, Sue remarked during a critical race theory conference at Yale University all the way back in 1997. Sue's remarks at the events, meanwhile, were highlighted in a CRT essay she co-authored in 20. I'm sorry, in 2002. Quote: The attack by some that critical race theory is about race, power, and politics, but not about law, tells us 
that it is law, or more specifically, how we traditionally do law, that needs to change. The essay went on to take aim at colorblindness and individuality, saying it constricts claims against dominant white interest. I mean, this is, isn't it interesting? CRT, critical race theory, it's all about if you're white, you're a racist. We, we don't want to have a colorblind society. We need to have a society in which color is at the forefront, according to this individual who's going to be the head of the Department of Labor. Conservatives like to argue that government should get out of the way and that the market will decide, her paper published in the Seattle Journal for Social Justice stated. But just as the idea of race neutral is not really neutral when you have a society built on white privilege and systemic racial subordination, government inaction really means government sanction and support for unfettered corporate greed. This is how this person feels about corporations. This is, how, this is going to be the head of the Department of Labor. And this is, this is her writing. The good news is, while the Democrats still control the majority of the Senate, Joe Manchin has come out and said, I don't know that I can vote for this individual. Uh, Fetterman, is he back voting yet? Uh, Feinstein, is she capable of voting? Uh, the, the incompetence of some of the... Uh, well, listen, if, 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 you're, if you're still a Democrat... <laughs> you know these people uh, like who's the who's the guy from uh, up up in uh, was it uh, Wyoming or Montana uh, who tries to tout himself as a conservative Democrat? Uh, no, uh, John Tester. What state is he from? I mean, he tries to he tries to make himself out as oh I'm I'm more conservative than Joe Manchin. I'm sorry, Joe Manchin or John Tester. Why are you still a Democrat? How can you how can you be involved in a party that propagates this garbage? And yet they do. Hey, we're going to take up the time out. We'll be right back. Back to News and Views. Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Biological male Dylan Mulvaney is uh, continuing to make headlines in the news. Uh, he is the uh, transgender that uh, Bud Light uh, decided to commit suicide over. And uh, so far they've uh, lost $5 billion in uh, value, has Anheuser-Busch. The CEO of Anheuser-Busch finally came out with a statement. Uh, his name is Brendan Whitworth. He's weighing in, says, quote, As the CEO of a company founded in America's heartland more than 165 years ago, I am responsible for ensuring every customer feels proud of the beer we brew. We're honored to be a part of the fabric of this country. Anheuser-Busch employs more than 18,000 people and our independent distributors. You're going to be in, uh, probably have a few layoffs here in the near future. Um, and our independent distributors employ an additional 47,000 valued colleagues. We have thousands of partners, millions of fans. Well, you had millions of fans. And a proud history supporting our communities, military, first responders, sports fans, hardworking Americans everywhere. We never intended to be a part of a discussion that divides people. We're in the business of bringing people together over a beer. My time serving this country taught me the importance of accountability and uh, values upon which America was founded, freedom and hard work and respect for one another. As CEO of Hanheiser-Busch, I am focused on building and protecting our remarkable history and heritage. Uh, that, that falls way short. Um, that falls way, way short, uh, Mr. Whitworth. Uh, you, you never mentioned, I mean, listen, your company, um, your uh 
young lady that decided she knew more than anybody else, uh, who was the vice president of marketing, she jumped in with both feet on this controversial issue. Um, are you going to listen? Now you don't have to condemn transgenderism, but you ought to come out and say we had no business getting into the whole transgender debate. That's not who we are. That's not what we're about. But because you wanted to satisfy the human rights campaign, you ha you, you figure well we let's let's get in there and let's do it. Or, or, and again, I know that, and yesterday we reported that the head honchos of uh, Anheuser Busch said we knew nothing about it. We had a caller that said we don't believe it. I, I don't know that whether you did or not, but bottom line is uh, you should have vetted your employees a little bit better and find out what they were all about. This this statement is worthless. <laughs> it's totally worth. Oh yeah, we're going to protect the heritage and history of our beer, our remarkable history and heritage. Well, how you doing on that? <laughs> How's the last three weeks gone for you on that front? Unbelievable. By the way, uh, kudos to um, the Kentucky swimmer Riley Gaines. She was out speaking again last night to uh, support and protect women's sports. She was up at the University of Buffalo. And guess what? A transgender showed up and uh, was arrested. Uh, they say she was the, the transgender wasn't a part of the school. But, uh, you know, I, I've got a theory. I think the cry of racism being a black-white issue, you know, they used to always say, well, you're a racist if you disagree with me. I think that has so lost its punch for the liberals that they're trying to invent this new form of what they say is prejudice, which is called transgenderism. Hey, we got to run. Have a great weekend. We'll do it again on Monday. See you then. Bye-bye, everybody. All right, all right, all right.